We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. All right, so how do we want to start this shit? Uh, well, let's just sync it up first, and then uh, I can, you know, edit whatever crap out we don't want. Sounds good, man. All right, uh, let's see. We'll just uh, clap together on three and sync up here. All right, ready? Yep. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, that was that was great, guys. <laughs> a, little, a little early. <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome to the show. This is your mom's house, and I'm your host, Joe Rogan. I'm joined here today with Cobra Commander and Takashi Six Nine, also known as Ari Shafir. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. I love the uh, I love the ESPN headset you got on, Dorkster. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I need something like this. It's either this or earbuds, and yeah. if we're earbuds, the mic would be all way fucking down here somewhere. So, you should okay. get some like true wireless ones, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. But then I'd be restricted to charging them all the time. And, and the feedback with those sucks, man, on the mic. It can, yeah. Yeah. I was playing around with the, with the earpods. Yeah. And like doing the the test recording, and I don't know what it was, but there was no live call or music or anything. I just listened to a YouTube video, and the interference I was getting was crazy. Oh man, mine are amazing. The Jabra's, they're the Elite T65s. These mm. ones, oh, yeah. these ones are amazing. They have uh, true noise canceling. Like I just went shooting yesterday, and I just wore these and listened to uh, music, and with the noise canceling on, and I couldn't hear shit. I was a little bit sketched yeah, out because so I I couldn't hear if anybody was like walking up behind me or anything, you know, because they're they're so good. Right. But no, they're awesome, and it's like five hours of playtime, and there's That's never nice. never any interference, and you can fine tune them to like vocals or bass boost or whatnot. But yeah, they're awesome. I love these things. That's amazing, dude. Have I shown you my new shooting muffs? No, dude, they're so badass. Are they electronic ones? Yeah, they're like eighty bucks, but it was worth the investment, dude. Like. It's got, I mean, it's it's got the directional hearing, so, like, it's kind of trippy. Like, the ricochet you can hear, like, if it ricochets or you get, like, uh, just the noise from it, it kind of echoes back. And mm. because the hearing is at the back of the headset, it sounds like when you shoot, the shot's coming from behind you. So it's a little trippy oh, to get weird. used to. But, yeah, that would be a little weird yeah. to get used to. What yeah. guns do you have now, dude? Yeah, I've still got my M4, my trusty 12-gauge. I've got my Glock. Uh, that SCCY. Oh, you got one of those. Yeah. Have you fired it um, yet? Yeah, I, it's a little snappy, dude. I don't like that long trigger pull. What caliber is it? It's a nine. Oh, okay. It's probably similar to like a Ruger LCP, like that long, yeah, lengthy trigger pull. Yep. Yeah. And I hate that, dude. That's why when I got my Glock, the first thing I did was put a new trigger drop in because I can't stand it. Yo, you don't like the Glock standard uh, trigger either? Nope. I oh, put a man. flat trigger on there. Oh yeah, I don't think I do either. No. Um, the Beretta trigger was kind of a pain in the ass, Derek. Do you still have mm, yours? Yeah, that's that's actually just the only gun I do have now. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was I gonna say? Oh, what? what? So got that old rusty Op Six too. Oh, you do. Yeah, it's in pieces. So I'm redoing <laughs> the stock again. Is that the one that has the Mauser action? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Do any of the guns you have now, were they a part of that video that you sent through Messenger? That's, that's what I was going to bring up, dude. Oh, okay. I don't 
I don't think so, unless you still have that Mosin, Eric. No, I, dude, I don't have anything that you guys remember. <laughs> I've dude, he trades everything. He trades guns and cars more than he changes his underwear. Are you kidding me? I know, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I can go weeks <laughs> without a fresh pair of chonies, man. <laughs> I mean, he goes front, back, inside out, front, back again, and then wear him, I mean, wear him just... sideways. Like try to fit yeah, both yeah. legs in one hole. I mean, and... <laughs> yeah, got to get that a little gives you at least there, two days. But... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right now, we just have. Um, I've got a little single shot rascal, savage rascal, twenty two. <laughs> I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that for Raiden. And then we've yep. got Logan's ten twenty two takedown uh, model. It fits in a little backpack. It's pretty cool. I, I was wondering red. if that was a takedown. Was that the same yeah. gun he was using uh, yeah. in that Instagram video? Yeah, okay. yeah. So we still have that. And I mean, if if uh, if I got it for him, we probably still wouldn't have it. But Jen's dad got it for him, <laughs> which I'm glad because now oh, you know, okay. we we hung on yeah. to it. But yeah, I took that thing out yesterday and sighted it in for him. So can't wait to take nice. it out next time. But I've got so I've got both of those. I've got a um mar or mariner. I think it's a a Winchester 1300 mariner, so it's like a stainless steel uh 12 gauge shotgun. Huh, nice. And then I've got uh an FNS9 that I just picked up, but I don't have that any thing is sick. Yeah, I love it, man. I don't have any semi-auto rifles anymore though, so I'm trying to trade my my Smith and Wesson Shield. It's a 9mm 41, so I can, you know, plink around with something a little bit higher caliber. Yeah, and if shit ever hits the fan, man, you got to be prepared. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. But uh, yeah, that video, Derek. It's funny that you brought that up because I was thinking about it too. But um, <laughs> where did we get that mannequin from, dude? I think I remember hearing something about Jake getting it from like a closeout sale of oh, some place. Yeah. Which is funny because I was not a part of that outing at all. I barely remember that video, but I remember seeing it once at one of Jake's old places. Mm -hmm. Um. And it was, I guess, where another video was made where Taylor was, like, pretending to be some Russian guy or getting, like, interrogated or some shit. I remember shit. that video, dude. Yeah, that dude. was good shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I remember now that you brought that up about um, where where Jake got it from. So his sister, Jessica, used to work at Got Chalks in the mall in Valley River. <laughs> and um, it closed down, like, most of the shit that does in that area. And uh, that's how we got it. And when he still lived with his parents is when he got it. And... Uh, he used to live in this room that's kind of up in the attic, kind of like how you and Taylor did, Derek. Oh, and yeah. um, <laughs> Jake and I would dress it up in different clothes and like some armor sometimes, and like give it like a gun or give it a sword. And we would we would call his mom. We'd be and we you know he'd be like mom, and a little bit of time would go by. We're just up there laying at the top of the staircase, <laughs> just fucking snickering, just waiting for her to come around the corner. And, you know, most of the time she would yell, like, you know, back, like, what? And Jake would say, come here, come here, it's important. And she would come around the corner and see that motherfucker standing there, dude. <laughs> she, just die, man. She, oh, my gosh. She would get so wow. scared of this thing just standing there, no matter how many times we did it to her. And he did it to me a lot, too. Um, but, yeah, that thing was fun. So, besides that, um, yeah, we took it out. <laughs> we took it out that time. And can't remember where we got our hands on some Tannerite, but... Um, that's really the I think the thing I would have called in the question is like the mannequin, okay, but the tannerite. Yeah. Well, no, because Eric, I found you and Jake at the gun show downtown, I think, and you guys were gonna go shooting, and I was like, well, fuck, I'm gonna go too. Oh yeah. And Jake's like, I just bought this tannerite, and I was like, oh my god, all right, this is gonna be super fun. Bring that mannequin, <laughs> and it was just all oh. fucking history from there, man. Yeah, I couldn't remember how that all came together, but yeah, so we we took it out to uh, uh, Panther Creek area. 
and you know that rock mound, Derek, where where you yep, dumped your yep. where you dumped your bike that time. Dude, that fucking sucked. <laughs> Did you ever hear about that, Joel? Wow. No, I didn't. So, uh, little little side story, real quick. So, uh, <laughs> Derek did some trading too, you know, and he got his hands on this little uh, Honda trail bike. Wait, was it was it a trade? Or did you buy it? Oh, I think I just bought that. Oh, you bought it? Okay. Yeah, I just bought it outright. Dude, we were riding along the trails all day, and then when we finally decide to end it, you come to a nice leisurely stop, you know, <laughs> on my three wheels. <laughs> yeah, and then I. <laughs> It was crazy to think I didn't crash at any other point during all this time we were out, but I hit this patch of really loose gravel, and it just completely went from solid ground to where it was, like, sliding on ice. The thing takes a dump on my my right leg. You just fucking like trapped I said, we, under this tiny little trail bike. Dude, it felt like my brother was on me. It was heavy. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the motor was hot, and I was just, like, slowly feeling my leg just burning. I'm like, Eric, get over here. Get this piece of shit off me. And he's taking a sweet time. I was laughing my ass off, dude. I bet, man. I look over at him. He's slowly getting off the three-wheeler. He's I'm like, geez, ah, God, I got to help this fuck. This, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> but, yeah, so wow. that, that same spot, that you know, the rock yeah, mountain that we've all been to so many times. And, and we set the thing up, and... uh we carved a couple of holes in its, you know, in its drywall body, whatever the hell it's made of, <laughs> and uh, you know, created some little tannerite pack targets. And I remember we put uh, one in its vagina cavity, essentially, <laughs> and uh, and then we put one in its chest. And um, we, you know, we, we were taking turns shooting it, and dude, we could not hit this thing, like no matter what. And so Joel fucking grabs my Mosin, and he's like, you know what, man, let me have this thing. And just barely takes time to aim, and ba-boom, the thing just explodes, man. Um, it was a good time. Yeah, surprisingly enough, the mannequin was kind of still intact. It just had a, a pretty big hole in its chest. And so then we made a separate video, um, and I really want to find it, man. It's somewhere on YouTube, so if anybody is listening that listens to this <laughs> at some point can find it, I think it's called something like P in the VG or something like that. Never and so in a Jake, million years. Right. So Jake took a 12-gauge shotgun and, uh, you know, he said, I can't remember what he said. He said something obnoxious, you know, Jake. And uh, he goes <laughs> and he yells, ba-boom, before he shoots it. And then he shoots right. this thing right in the vagina, man. And then um, and then the, the other video that you probably saw, Derek, was where uh, Joel took his... I think it was a 40, maybe a Ruger SR40. Yeah, I think that was the Taurus. It might have been the Taurus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. P247 or whatever Oh, yeah, it was. 40 cal. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so he took this thing and just, well, you saw the video. He shot it in the head like 15 times, full mag, just bop, 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 bop. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was a fun target, man. Um, it really was. Man, a mannequin and a tannerite go together like peanut butter and jelly. I know. Right. There was another time that Jake had made this uh, homemade ballistics gel, and so we messed around with that with, you know, I think we did like 223, uh, 22, 9mm, and I think he took his Mauser out there too. That, that was pretty fun. That's one thing I've never shot is that ballistics gel, man. I've always wanted to. Yeah. It's pretty cool because you get to see, like, you know, from a side profile, like, hmm. how it goes in and, uh, like, encap it, like, encapsulates, like, oxygen bubbles and stuff around it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyways, cargo cults. What's cargo cult? Uh, Eric, you did the research, right? Yeah, yeah, I promise I did. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
So this this uh this John Frum guy is kind of is kind of where the the popularity of it all started. So do you guys know about John Frum? Did you did you check into that dude? Well, I heard he was he was one of a handful of other I guess US World War II pilots that kind of indirectly unintentionally started what became the early cargo cults. Yeah. Mhm. And so it's funny. I remember this basic plot of this whole thing, this idea that there was this tribe or a group of people that had been, you know, it's one of those early primitive cultures that never received any outside influence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy it's, to it's, think that those still exist. Yeah. Yeah. There's like uh what is it? The uh, Sent- Sentinel Island, the Sentinelese. Yep. Yeah, you are are you referring to are you referring to that Christian guy that came over and tried to indoctrinate them and they murked him? Is that what you're talking about? Right. They turned him into a porcupine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, they lit him up with arrows. That was horrifying, man. Yeah. But um yeah, there's still a few cultures today that live like that. But uh this was around the mid to late nineteenth century, creeping onto the early twentieth century when all this was going on. So and I mean, there are still actually a few holdouts that are still going about practicing this today, which I find ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned earlier about John Fromm, I mean, one of, one of the most popular ones or, or famous ones, I would say, revolves around um, a village and they have a chief named Isaac Wan. Hmm. And uh, so basically in the 19, I think this one was like right around World War II, like 1942, 1943. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this dude named John Frum just showed up on this island and he had just a, a plethora of cargo that I can't remember if it was planned to be dropped there or not, but basically, you know, it was just this load of um <laughs> shit. I can't remember where this fucking article is. <laughs> so so during during the years of, of World War Two and even after, so obviously we had beef with Japan. So Japan is very far away, a whole ocean, whole Pacific Ocean. So, I mean, there were a lot of little islands that the U.S. kind of showed up with dozers, made runways, made radio towers. And essentially, you know, we met islanders that had never experienced that, that were indigenous. And after after we built the runways, you know, our guys would go up to the radio tower and make a call. And these planes would come in and drop food, clothes, soda, Mm, things that we would then share with the native people and so that's where kind of the the cargo cult it's more today of a mindset than an actual story yeah to my understanding but you know having our soldiers sharing the cargo from the plains with the indigenous people even after we left the cargo cult thinking comes into play because the indigenous people then built mock towers mock planes Mm -hmm. put on headsets that were left behind Yep. And they just expected cargo to fall. They didn't understand the why, why we did it, how we did it. They just right. wanted the cargo. So that's where it kind of right. came from. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, the, the whole World War II thing, that was really like the big boom of when all this kind of became more commonplace for these groups. But it really began, I think, at its earliest during the advent of the airplane, which seems to be the central theme to this obsession they begin to develop as a people. Right. So... I mean, the planes would fly overhead, and from the standpoint of them, they must have thought that these were like, I don't know, dragons or angels or something. (laughs) And when they would airdrop food and 
land off for supplies, they must have viewed the pilots as, like, these gods or something. Yeah. But after I did a little bit more looking into it, it turns out that that seems to be exactly what we have here. <laughs> Not a lot of mystery in it, huh? <laughs> no. So, the cargo cults occurred periodically in many of the islands of New Guinea, mm -hmm. as well as Madagascar, northern territories of Australia, and that mainly consisted during the time frame of World War II. A small population of indigenous people observed, often directly from the front of their dwellings, a large war from these technologically advanced nations. The Japanese arrived first with a great deal of supplies, and then later that would be followed by the Allies, so... So I guess what I found super interesting about most of these cases is um, kind of what you guys touched on was the, the ritualistic standpoint from trying to basically right. summon these mm -hmm. gods or these, you know, these uh, these ships that would come. And so, you know, like you guys mentioned, they would build these radio towers oftentimes from bamboo and, uh, you know, different materials that were left behind. They would also have these effigies that they would like almost like a shrine to some of the mm -hmm. some of the soldiers that they had seen. And so they actually, um, there's this one village, and I, I that's what I was trying to find, is one specific village that John Frum himself actually went and visited. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually have a U.S. flag still left over, and they literally worship it. They have it kind of hung up from, like, the ceiling of a hut, and they all um, perform these different ritualistic ceremonies if you will around the american flag and so it's it's pretty fascinating to see you know some of our own people like stomp on the flag and then these other countries literally worship it i mean i've seen what you speak of yes this worship yep. of the american flag <laughs> yeah. and it's like chanting rallies and people saying MAGA, you know like i've, I've seen what you, you talk about yeah. right um and then also from the visitation of these different soldiers on these different islands, a lot of the indigenous people have created these like almost GI looking uh, uniforms. So they'll, they'll dress mm -hmm. up in like military garb and they'll have these bamboo, essentially like it looks like a rifle. It looks like a, like, right, a, like yeah. an M1 Grand or, you know, something similar that the, the troops would march with. And so they do these yeah, marches. Yeah, when I saw the pictures of that, I, that blew me away. Yeah. And yeah. then the fact that they would actually like take traditional tribal war paint, you know, mm -hmm. that they would put on their faces or put on themselves in various ways, and then they would actually write USA across their chest. Oh, wow, I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay, they're really going all out. Yeah, I mean, the standpoint of this, again, is to is to really try to get this to happen again, you know, and, and so much time has passed from this specific island that, you know, different journalists have come out and has talked to this chief, and he claims that he has uh, talked to John and that John is actually a spirit and that he comes and talks to him from time to time, but yet th that they still haven't gotten their cargo load, so they're still waiting, practicing these different rituals and ceremonies to get either him to come again or, you know, mm -hmm. a shipment to come again. So mm -hmm. it it's repeating just it's the interesting process. that they haven't moved on. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Just repeating the process over and over, not really understanding what these troops were doing to get there. They're just recreating it, and that's their religion. Right. You know, yeah, they do it daily to try to get it. Like, it's, it's just right. bizarre. And I wonder partially if it's just, like, something to do, you know, because, I mean, I don't know what their life was like, you know, before this or not, but it's just something more to it, something more to do, you know. And I don't, I don't know what beliefs they even had before, like, if they believed in an afterlife, you know. It makes me uh, think about the Egyptian times and some of the, mm -hmm. you know, the, ca the cave drawings and um, paintings that were found where they had these, um, I guess, for lack of better terms, like, shrines built 
and these shrines had these uh you know big flying objects and these these weird looking uh you know creatures with headdresses and everything that they were bowing to and they were worshiping and so i wonder if like not not to be a conspiracy theorist but talking <laughs> about aliens i'm not saying it's aliens but <laughs> it's aliens you <laughs> right. know um and if the egyptians had some you know encounters and experiences and then they changed their ways you know like maybe they created the pyramids to point a certain direction to try to get something to come again you know maybe maybe they believe that these these uh you know flying saucers as they depict in cave drawings and stuff or not cave drawings but pyramid drawings um maybe that's just how their spaceships looked giant pyramids (laughs) yeah yeah or that maybe they're trying to recreate that but maybe they came from like a certain you know solar system that they had mapped out or whatever and so they built them to look like that and to you know point in that direction who knows i don't know i gotta say it's pretty aerodynamically inefficient i think a design absolutely (laughs) but i mean when you're up in space it could take whatever shape or form right but I mean, if you think about the movie uh, Close Encounters of the Third Time, like th- think of the or third kind rather, um, <laughs> the third time around here, <laughs> third time, like damn, yep, I, I had a little buzz on, so I might be slurring <laughs> my words a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, the sh- the the shape of that ship is like an upside down uh, pyramid, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So. Not to get all ancient aliens on you guys, but it, ju- it was just a thought that came across. No, absolutely. No, I mean, this is this is a topic that I'm sure is bound to bump heads with the whole idea of ancient aliens. But um, Right. I mean, just imagine that, though. You go from this primitive society all of a sudden being airdropped, manufactured clothing, medicine, canned foods. You see tents, weapons, and I have to wonder how they dealt with the Japanese, you know, because around this time... Their main goal was to conquer a lot of these islands. You know, they were island hopping, conquering a lot of these things. And then right. in come the Americans, who apparently made a bigger impact than the first group of people, which were the Japanese, um, because we don't mm-hmm. see too much of that. So I guess we must have had a more positive, you know, the Western society must have had a more positive outcome. Yep. Yeah, so there's actually a specific instance where um, the Japanese had came onto this island and their first goal was to um, disperse the indigenous people. So not only get them away from a certain area that they wanted, but also separate them. Mm. And the indigenous people obviously didn't take to that very well. So there was a group of them that actually escaped. Not not like a concentration camp, but basically <laughs> it was they were trying to hold them in a certain spot. And so they escaped that little area and they took their little canoes and they actually made it out to the Japanese warships and they were slamming their canoes into the Japanese <laughs> warships because wow. they might have thought it was like a giant monster or something like they thought they could get it to go away you oh know God. but right. they've never maybe they've never seen steel or you know a ship like that before but it was something interesting i came across you know it was like what the hell would you do right. if this giant like metal creature or they didn't even know what metal was so this giant fucking shiny creature Comes to your home island. The army of New Guinea is up against the Empire of Japan. Exactly, <laughs> Empire. <laughs> like wow. a, yeah, like an imperial cruiser ship just parks on your beach and <laughs> is all of a sudden these strange beings come off and they're trying to get you away from your family and shit. And what's the one thing you're gonna do? Take my boat and ram it into your boat, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. I don't think they're very successful, you know, in moving it, but what? It, yeah. It was, yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's not to necessarily say that the indigenous were stupid by any means. They just knew different things than we did. You know what I yeah. mean? Right. Like their survival skills on the island were far superior to us. I mean, we cut shit down and put up a tent to where they turn the natural forest into their home. So, I mean, right. it's just the, the lack of, of time, the lack of technology and advancement you know what i mean so yeah ramming a boat sure i mean i i can't say i do the same thing but see what happens yeah. okay especially when yeah. you're in a canoe you know right know, yeah it's a big ass warship right maybe it'll bust part of it open there'll be some fucking jack off magazines in there or something <laughs> for him. i remember reading about the longest lived forms of the early cargo cults starting up sometime around well actually before the war and that yep. some of the cult members worshipped certain unspecified Americans having, you know, well, like you mentioned, John Frum or uh, Tom Navy was another one. And they would actually attribute those names to the group of the followers tied to that specific cult. So they would each have like their own guy, you know, like. A, yeah, like it's like, their prophet. Yeah, like some specific gods attributed to Nordic beliefs, you know, like they all had yeah. their own favorite gods or Greek gods, like, you know. Yeah, like Thor and sure. Zeus, and then the Egyptians had like Osiris and right, yeah. Um, so I was like, no, we we don't we don't recognize that John from. We're all about Tom Navy over here. Don't don't step to us. <laughs> it's guys. such like a white American name too. Like <laughs> yeah, John and Tom. <laughs> John Smith. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's crazy to think that we have this many documented accounts of Westerners having played this indirect and I'm sure I would hope unintended role in being viewed as something of a deity or god to these people. When it was just really, I'm sure, something as simple as sharing a can of beans or, you know, you give them an extra T-shirt you have. Right. A can of chili and a Coke, man. <laughs> right. Imagine the crazy rush they got off of a can of Coke, man. Like <laughs> Especially because back oh. in the day, man, they used to have traces of cocaine. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they had access to such plants like that, but right. snap open one of those foamy bad boys and fucking do a backflip <laughs> off a palm tree. Damn right. It's just crazy to think of how little that would have meant to you, yet be so impactful on them, you know? Yeah. So much, in fact, that they base their entire way of life around you. Kind of like, well, really, the listeners of this podcast. I mean, think about it, you know? They, they're they hanging on our every word, just wondering what it is we're going to say next. I mean, I know this is only our first episode and all, but you know, I gave somebody a sticker, and they're pretty much over here wanting to blow me, so... They have a yeah. sticker and I don't? Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute, man. You made stickers? <laughs> right. Damn it, Dirk. I'm just saying, I know the pressure that these pilots must have felt. Mm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, take that thinking, right? The cargo cult thinking and apply it to teaching your parents or grandparents how to use a computer. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of the same concept. They want to click the internet button, go to the internet. They don't care about anything in between. Mm. How it works, why it doesn't work. If it didn't work, where would they start to figure out why it doesn't work? I mean, it's kind of the same concept. Yeah. And I've been kind of thinking about it in the cargo cult thinking. Like, I everybody, there's got to be some instance in everybody's life where they have that kind of thinking without really noticing it or realizing it. Or maybe they just don't know the term cargo right. cult. Well, like, imagine, um, you know, when you're trying to get service with your phone and, like, how we've gotten so used to having your Wi-Fi and we're really lucky to have, you know, internet and access to shit. But if you're out in the woods and your signal goes out, you're like, 
trying to hold it up like Simba and the Lion King, man. Like tr- trying to trying to get <laughs> right. connections. So it's like it's a ritual that you're yep. trying to do. Whether it's gonna work or not, you don't know. You right, know? So like it's, it matters. It's right. T- yeah, that's funny, man. It's it's totally true. Like there's always something. Like um, like what you're saying about older people who don't know how to get on the internet or to even use a computer. You know, they're gonna try like a thousand times to plug in and unplug it because typically that's the first thing you do. Mm-hmm. And then you know, with their sure. password, trying to get on and whatnot, and then. God knows about them trying to get on the Wi-Fi, but yeah, I can imagine all the different right. processes they would try, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Without knowing or understanding the why behind trying it. Right. It was funny. I mean, the most real world experience to this I could think of happened maybe about, I'm going to say five, six, maybe years ago. I remember I was attending college at the time and I just happened to walk in as not like a teacher's aide or something, but I was like there, like I wasn't supposed to be there as a member of the class, but I was watching and this was like an introductory special class into operating computers. No, you would think that, but it was basically just people from, I don't know, I guess it was kind of like a foreign exchange program, like on a mass scale, because that's all the class was made up of were these random people who apparently didn't know how to operate a computer. So they were like, okay, today we're going to learn how to check your email. So clearly they weren't from the Asian country. No, no, they weren't from the places that could assemble these things, no. How dare you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I mean, it was basic level shit. They were talking about, okay, today we're going to learn how to open up an email. I'm like, okay. And then they're like showing them how to operate a mouse. And I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) Like... this is left click. This is right click. Yeah. This is the cursor. When you move the mouse, the cursor. I'm like, are you kidding me <laughs> right now? I would just, I mean, growing up, you know, of course, where I do, I just like, I had this feeling like that's just basic. Everybody knows how to do that. Right. It's common sense these but, days. Yeah, apparently. Well, I mean, you know, you well, I mean, just the differences between you and I growing up, Derek, like you, you know, you grew up having, you know, access to computers and. And, you know, you used to have me over for, like, LAN parties. We'd play Counter-Strike and Team Fortress <laughs> and all that true. stuff. But before that, man, I didn't know how to do any yeah, of that yeah. shit. Like, we didn't have a computer. You know, we were, I mean, my parents probably had some private one that they ran their threesomes with through. But, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's nothing I had access to, so. Right. Yeah. So I was like your John Frum. You know? <laughs> I was, like, right. giving you technology, and you brought it back to your people, and you're like, guys, guys. Yeah. Counter Strike, <laughs> Team Fortress, yes, land parties, yep. exactly, man. <laughs> so, talking about how you know the the indigenous people, how they used to you know gather their materials and they used to use everything. Mm-hmm. It uh, reminded me of um, a game. Have you guys played or heard of a game called? I think it's called The Ark. Oh yeah, I played yeah, a little bit of it. it yeah. Just enough to know that I don't like anything about Dude. it so i played it for like 20 minutes and I, I was just like i'm done i think i'm gonna get into it um i went and got my haircut and my barber's like he's <laughs> he's, he's up on all the new video games and i feel old as fuck because he's older than me and i'd never heard of this oh game. okay you meant like in real life i'm like <laughs> you got your haircut in the game like maybe, I don't, what are you talking maybe about? <laughs> you can evolve to some point i mean i haven't gotten the game to check it yeah, out yet but. i wasn't sure like Haircut in the game or what? <laughs> no, but. no. So I, in real life, I went and got my haircut, and um, my my barber, <laughs> uh, he's a friend of mine. His name is Jeb, 
and he um he stays you know he stays up on all the video games and so he tells me when games are cool and and I'll see if you know if it's something like Logan and I can play or if it's something I want to get into myself and so he was talking about the arc and uh how you can train dinosaurs and shit and I was like totally tuning them out at first I was like whatever man like this sounds ridiculous <laughs> but then he started talking about some of the experiences that he's had on that game because at first, you know, it was released to a pretty large group of people in the beta form. And so people had been, you mm -hmm. know, playing yeah. with it and modding it for a while. And uh, he said that when he first got started on it, he played for a couple hours. And uh, you start off, you know, as naked as can be, besides like a loincloth or something. And so you have to start gathering materials. So you gather like thatch from trees. So you go and you'll start punching the trees and gathering wood and thatch. And then you start, uh, yeah. you know, like kicking and punching the rocks and you use... Uh, bits of the rocks to make like a hatchet and then you can chop down trees faster and then you can make mm -hmm. like an axe to protect yourself with from these little tiny dinosaurs anyway so he you know he gets a pretty good ways into it and he starts building like a house and stuff and uh, he's feeling pretty good about himself and he's in this little house and then he says on the game all of a sudden everything starts rumbling and there's this loud noise and so he go he goes out of his little hut and there's this naked cowboy <laughs> on a T-Rex riding the T-Rex. <laughs> and you have you have what headsets um, when you know when you play on a server. And so he had been on this secluded part of the <laughs> island that he wasn't oh, found dude. for a while. So then this dude who'd been playing for a while <laughs> had already tamed a fucking T-Rex. And he was just basically standing like towering over his hut. So Jeb you know, takes his character and he goes outside and he like looks up at it and the guy's like, howdy there, partner, to Jeff. <laughs> and he's like, wow. he's like, hey, he's like, you must be new. Um, You know, I'm going to let you live for a little bit. And so he's like, okay, cool, man. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know I, I was you. like allowed a favor to live. So he's like, you know, doing a few things, trying to find food or whatever. So I guess the, the guy comes back and uh, asks him if he wants to go on a ride on his T-Rex with him, this naked cowboy. <laughs> and so he takes him uh, he takes him into this village, and he's trying to kind of show him, you know, the ropes of the game. And he said they went into this village where there was, like, several houses and buildings established and a bunch of people, and he said they fucked up and murked every single person <laughs> in the whole village. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, so when he told me that story, I was like, dude, I'm so in on that game, and I'm going to let Logan I know, I'm kind of interested now man yeah i'm kind of in on that apparently you can um you can tame like any of the dinosaurs and what's cool about it is you can also learn about dinosaurs like if for me like logan's interested in learning about you know like what type of dinosaurs there are or, like sure. what they eat and stuff like that so you can actually like learn while you have an objective and then you can also just destroy people so it's it sounds pretty sweet man and it's pretty skill-based because you have to figure out like uh how much you know wood you need versus how much ore or rock you need to create something. And then it's about survival, too. So you got to find food. And apparently you, like, shit on the game, too. <laughs> and you can actually, like, poison yeah. people by throwing shit at them and feeding them your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit in their water so, supply? <laughs> he, said, he said once he was playing this game for a while, he had this whole, like, fortress built, and he built the jail there under the brontosaurus cage. So basically, he would imprison these people on the game, and every t every time they would like get better, the brontosaurus would shit into the cage, and they would just get poisoned again. Oh, and so then, as <laughs> as them, you have to figure what out how to kill hell? yourself on the game. So if you apparently if you eat the shit, it slowly poisons you. 
It's so the only way out of the cage is to eat this poison and commit suicide. Yeah. Otherwise, like that's their oh whole God. world yeah, now. Dude. But those two stories alone had oh me sold, God. man. I'm definitely gonna pick it up, dude. I'm I'm so down. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. try it. I'm intrigued. My first hand experience of that game. I, oh, you played it? Yeah. I played it for about 20 minutes before I gave up, but in that 20 minutes, my guy was running around sleep deprived, starving. He'd been poisoned <laughs> by something. And I don't, I just, I could not fucking get it together. I couldn't make food. I couldn't make a fire. I couldn't make a shelter. So I just, I decided to grab a hold of somebody who I found who was sleeping. And drag them out into the ocean to drown. Holy shit, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> and then I just, I'm like, peace, I'm out. Was that on like a live server online or was that just like a... Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, okay. So you, you uh, can you can play either, um, you know, online on a server or... Um, what's attacking your dogs right now, bro? <laughs> can you go tend to that or something? Oh my god. Um, okay, no worries, man. All right, now's the point where we talk shit about Joel while he's gone. <laughs> like we always do. Like look look at that look at that thing to the left of the screen. It looks like the fucking Grim Reaper in a blanket form chilling there. Totally. You see it? Yeah. What the fuck is that? I don't know, dude. It's creepy as Oh, here he comes. Oh shit. Okay. Hey, buddy. Hey, you're back. We totally were not talking shit about you. All good things, I bet. <laughs> All good things, all good things. Um, so, what were we talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, back to cargo cults. Yeah, let's do it. So, most of the cargo cults actually disappeared around the 1950s. However, there are still some that are active, including, well, like the first one we just brought up, the John Frum, and then the Tom Navy. But then there were also a couple other cults which described themselves as movements. Yeah. Huh. So that kind of caught me off guard, but there was like a, the Prince Philip movement. Well, that's an example of it, but it was a group of people who worship Prince Philip, Duke of Edmundburg. Oh, really? Husband of Queen Elizabeth II. No shit. Yeah. So wow. they, they've actually gone as far as to adopt the British flag as their own, something of a symbol to their own tribe. Right. That's odd. It's, it's like their version of a cross, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they have the flag, they have pictures of him, they have all sorts of things from this exotic land of Britain, you know, and right. it, it was just crazy to see that. Then we have the Tarunga movement, the Yaris cargo cult, as well as a few others like the Peli Association, which when I heard the name of that, it, it made me think, wow, they're really upping their modernization of these names, you know, they sound like companies or something. Corporation. Yeah, why don't we just <laughs> cut out the middleman and... <laughs> right. Cargo corporations. Paid membership. <laughs> it's crazy. I was watching this short little video. They were covering the topic of cargo cults, and the video basically opens up to the scene of just a handful of indigenous people. I would say there's maybe like seven or eight of them at the most. They were looking on in curiosity this American airfield. Yeah. They saw people walking around. They saw a big plane as it prepared to take off the runway, and as it does, they just had this look on their faces like, no, no one is going to believe me. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just saw a UFO or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, to them it was. Yeah, man. But later in that same video, I mean, they go into depth explaining the early cults having had this belief where the planes were sent from paradise by their ancestors. Mm. Right. And the next part of this, I'm not going to lie, made me chuckle a little bit. So... 
this is where we as Westerners fit into all of this, you know, because they are aware of us, but they seem to fixate more on the planes, and we're just kind of like an afterthought. So they think that the planes were a gift sent down to Earth from their ancestors, mm-hmm. but then the white man, being the crafty pirates that we are, <laughs> managed to quote-unquote, attract <laughs> and capture the planes by luring them into the airfields that are constructed for them. So, wow, that's golden. When I heard that, it, it really began to help me put everything into perspective here, where it was like, oh, they're just forming these thoughts based out of this partial observation from a secondhand account, but also a lot of this coming from yep. just their general way of life and attributing it to their everyday things mainly from this hunting standpoint where you build this thing, attract the creature you're hunting, and, well, I don't know what the end goal would be to that. You'd eat it, I guess. Take the cargo? I don't know. Get the goods, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the the same example, you know, of, like, uh, them hunting yeah. a creature, but it's just an elaborate form, you know. However, they can get what they need or, what you know, what they want. But, yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, man. Um, kind of to piggyback on what you were saying, you know, I found two interesting facts when I was reading, and two of them that revolve around most of these cults that still exist today are that they believed the arrival of strangers actually fulfilled a prophecy, like what you were saying. So it was Mm -hmm. almost like um, at some point, not that they were expecting a visitor to come, but it was like, oh, once they came and this started happening, it was something that they thought could have happened. So it seemed more significant to them than mystery, I guess. Yeah. And then um, a- another interesting thing that I saw was, um, according to their mythology, Westerners helped deter the apocalypse. So a lot of these cultures were on islands that were, you know, had volcanoes surrounding them or somewhere somewhere near them. So they thought that the visitation or the coming of these Westerners or these gods, you know, to them actually mm-hmm. slowed down the process of the apocalypse and that the goods that they were given it was like a sign of that they were on the right path, that, you know, things were not going to be doom and gloom, you know, like they were kind of waiting to happen. So I thought that was interesting, too. Well, that really sounds like a generational thing where it's like the early forms of it had this group mentality that was, I guess, more hostile the way it comes off. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of come to this point where it's acceptance or they view them as being not hostile. They view them as a positive now. And that's just, I think, from generation after generation of this story being passed on, not seeing planes. You're talking about these things that are, I guess, supposed to happen based out of their, what, prophecy? Right. And history is, I mean, history repeats itself. How many times in our world has this happened where Mm -hmm. new culture meets old culture, new religion, new cargo cult is born? I mean, the same thing goes for us right now. Global warming, uh, (laughs) the trees burning in, in... you know, South America, even in the United States, these wildfires, Australia. So let's say some being that we weren't aware of came out of the sky, landed on our front yard. Oh, shit. Our creator yeah. came to help us. <laughs> you would hope. Yeah. Same same kind of concept, man. Yeah. I mean, if that happened, it's the same damn story. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we never had created the propulsion for water, like in a fire truck, you know. And these these people came from, say we'd never seen people from right. Europe before, and we had these wildfires, and they brought over a fire truck, you know, and we'd never seen anything like that, and they're putting out these fires, uh, you know, really quickly. I mean, they would look like extremely, you know, technologically superior beings. Rock, what the fuck are you doing? Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was in here, man. I see this black object behind me moving. <laughs> fuck, man. I'm going to let him out real quick. I'll be right back. 
Joel, now's our chance to talk shit about Eric. You know, like we often do. Right, I know. <laughs> Look yeah, at him. Yeah, because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that either when you walk away, Joel. <laughs> Wait, hey you buddy. can hear us? <laughs> My headphones come with me, fuck face. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's dropping on our conversation behind your back? <laughs> what the fuck, Eric? <laughs> I'm in the 22nd century. I'm not wearing wired headphones and a fucking ESPN headset, boys. Wow. <laughs> Bet you got that from a cargo cult. Right. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. And so, like you mentioned earlier, they would um have these sites that they would refer to as temples. What they would do was they would gather up all these things like bamboo, tree branches, grass, and they would fashion it into rope and other materials. And who is making all that noise? Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. Are you scratching a record right now? I'm trying to open up the window. Well, we're trying to do a show window. here, Eric, so I don't know what you're... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god, you're messing around with mini blinds. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? Sorry, dude, one sec. I gotta open this one. Oh my god. This is gonna take like 20 minutes, guaranteed. Fucking mini blinds are the worst. <laughs> Just rip it off the window. <laughs> right. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that, boys. Fuck, where was it? Okay, so. Uh, what was it talking about? Um, so cargo cults, their thing. Enjoy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the show, everybody. Yeah. I'll fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. In all seriousness, though, um, you know, we're happy to have you guys as as our ear viewers and <laughs> our listeners, as as the uh, uh, remaining host from the Life Bites podcast that fell apart. <laughs> and uh, it's getting weird came together you know we wanted to do something that was kind of interesting that maybe you guys haven't heard about or maybe other podcasts that we like haven't covered in a while so yeah yep cargo colts is uh pretty sweet anyway so let's talk about our show now huh <laughs> <laughs> so i can tell you to expect some off-topic conversation does that make sense yeah some side side stories some definite side stories I was thinking, you guys want to, I don't know, do um, a recreation of possibly a cargo cult scenario? Just like play act it? Yeah. Sure. What do you have in mind? I don't know. I was thinking like, okay, so let me set the scene here. Um, <clears throat> Eric. Yeah. You could be the pilot and Joel and I would be uh, the villagers, you know, our, our sad ass two man cargo cult. <laughs> Okay, here, I'll just start talking with Joel, and then you'll just, uh, you'll okay. notice what we're doing, and then just touch down and land, and, okay, we'll take it from there. Okay. <clears throat> hey, man. Hey. I don't know about you, but I'm really feeling lucky that we might get a plane today. I mean, sure, it's been, like, three years, judging from this calendar I just invented, but I'm telling you, man, today is our day. We're going to get a plane today. The elder said that if I put the headset on, and get the wheel and spin it at a 40 degree angle, we might get one in six years. <laughs> All right, well, let's hope. Oh, hey, shit, look at that. What the hell? Oh, quick, hide, hide. Fox one to Fox three. Yep, I see the island. I believe this is the right one. Uh, No sign of indigenous, wait, 
Shit, you think he sees us? I don't know. Oh, I see a couple of brown folks down there. <laughs> Hopefully he sees our plane and he comes down with the many goods that we seek. Oh, you know what? I see a, I see a runway. It looks like it's made of, of palm tree leaves, though. Joel, it's working. I don't know, man. I, I, I think this is it. I think this is it. They're expecting the cargo. All right, pulling the landing gear. We got the trap. All right, I landed. Oh, shit. Let's get him! Get him! Get out the plane, white boy! Get out of the plane! Give me the coke! <laughs> oh, good lord. Jay, hold him down. I'll grab the keys. You guys know what keys are, you son of a bitch? Give them shoes, too. <laughs> I need this rope. Give me them Jordans. <laughs> the, these are J3s, man. These are my, my pride and joy. <laughs> Take them off. Uh, yes. All right, Jay, get in. We out this bitch. And scene. Oh, shit. We are now fed and clothed. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With every cargo cult. Pretty much. You know what this one's called? <laughs> no. The Jordan 3 movement. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Rest in peace, Kobe. Eric came down like Kobe in that one. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. <laughs> Too soon, bro. Oh, I know, I know. Ugh. <laughs> Speaking of Kobe, um, you know, obvious, obviously... <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a good high note to end on. Obviously, people are, are, you know, upset about it. And so I have kids. I completely understand it. Um, did you guys happen to see... Do you know who, do you know who Ari Shafir is, the comedian Ari Shafir? I've heard of him. I've not. So... So he's one of, he's one of Rogan's buddies and he put out um uh, okay. he put out a series of tweets that um it ended with fuck the Lakers I'm glad Kobe's dead. Wow. Um, <sighs> it was like the day of or the day after and he was he was basically saying like how can you guys forget about the rape allegations um and he just went off on him man and apparently he has a history <laughs> of when somebody famous dies he does this and so it's not that he's like trying to um, necessarily <laughs> what hate the on fuck the happened? What just happened? I heard a loud crash, and then Joel's screen went black. I couldn't see him anymore. And then yours... Kobe, no! <laughs> that was the second reenactment, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Well, then it was it was quite good. Thank you. Damn, dude. Um. Anyway, he just he just sent out a bunch of tweets about, fuck Kobe, I'm glad he's dead. It was That's really messed rough. up, man. I mean, yeah, regardless yeah, sure. of what happened in this individual's lifetime, whether the allegations were true or not, ultimately someone is dying, There's a, or someone died, there's a family grieving. Mm -hmm. Let's show a little bit of respect despite our own personal thoughts and feelings and give mm -hmm. them time to grieve before one of his four or five kids, however many he has left, get on Twitter and, he's got and three see, daughters left and see all this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just common decency. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really a sports fan to begin with. Joel, I know you liked the Lakers uh, when you, when you were watching for a while. So yeah. Oh, three, Oh four Lakers were the dream team, man. They had uh, Gary Fisher, Carl Malone. They had Shaq, Kobe, like it was an all-star team, man. And they made it to oh, the so finals. Malone, I know be, that guy. Yeah. Just a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to be beat out but i mean you know i'm not a huge sports fan not by any means but 
it's it's still sad because he was such a legend. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really don't know anything about him to be honest. I know he changed his number from eight to twenty four, and I knew that he was you know pretty involved in his daughter's Well, that's life. what he's known for. You know, right. that's the biggest thing. The number change. The number on the jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I I honestly don't don't know a whole lot, but I think it's sad, man. I mean. And not not only him and his daughter, but you know the other people that were. I think they were all like on the same same basketball uh, basketball team, team yeah. as the girl. Yeah, yeah but that, that's fucked up either way. But yeah, man. Speaking of sports, how about Conor McGregor, huh? How about that McGregor? <laughs> Crazy Irish fuck. Just fucking bam, bam. Anyway, that was the uh, first episode of the Odd Pod. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we went off the rails and. Um, Hope you liked it. <laughs> I don't know what else to fucking say. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, reach out to us on social media. The Odd Pod on Facebook. I think we have a Twit and an Instagram, too. We're professionals here, people. Professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, but the platform here, you know, the Odd Pod, uh, we kind of just, we, we kind of want it to just be, you know, a fun show. Um, it has a, a comedic nature, but we don't really want to have anything specific to talk about every time. You know, we just kind of want to come in here and hang out as friends and catch up on shit and tell mm. old stories and, you know, just, just laugh. So if you guys were a fan of Life Bites and it's getting weird, you know, we might touch on some paranormal shit as well because, of course, that does interest Joel and myself. And I think Derek, you know, a little bit, but um, we, not so we'd much, love... but, you know, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we're going to put out an episode every two weeks. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, check us out on social media. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like and share, all that good stuff. Subscribe, smash that like button. Your support counts, y'all. We done. <laughs> <laughs> what a clusterfuck, man. Anchor.fm forward slash the odd bud. And adios, mofos. Like a student who be fucking with them truants I never laugh at pack, but I still smell sewage Catch me blowing on that loud like a motherfucking Zumba Like it's motherfucking Zumba Robot drop top cut for moolah Popped out that Uber Brand new shoes, no new Don't fuck with me I got that two-tone rebel shit stuck to me And it's a luxury Fucking with these beats got me living comfortably and what I provide is the soundtrack that proves that we went through this life. Never divide, always survive. Okay, folks, we have arrived. Yeah. Jazz on deck when I come through. No 5-0 on my gumshoe. We've got more kicks than a kung fu. Slick fuck boy might get it when it comes to. But he don't seem like he'll be waking up. No slept on, fuck it, doesn't show me love. Two fifth in my veins, don't get it, fuck. Run up on me wrong, I won't even fuck another love. Roughly about the size of Shaq, I fire back, I fire first, the damage hurts, the chorus hits, the drums are sick, got kids out in Dubai banging mild shit, the dude is home, the wheels are clean, the flow is mean, I've been eight double since the days of between, and goddamn, I'm about to show the lean, like young Dro and T.I., got drama, they like me, full size don't psych me, pull up on 18s and yeah, they just like me, V8 all in mind, my wheels and my rim shine, RT go RG, no question with wind time, front for that sponsor, front 
prefer that front though. If that can each time my horse would be front row. Fuck what they came for, I know what they came for. My name is E double and I am not paid for plan B. I got a plan for it. I put my head down and I just ran for it. Couldn't see the pitfalls that I ran towards moving so fast. I was coming out my air force. Keep the shoes on, get your move on. Stop slipping, you've been tripping way too long. Both shoes on, new true song. Rings a bell well, it must be two tones. Guys on deck when I come through. No 5-0 on my gum shoe. Beat got more kicks than I come through. Flick fuck boy might get it when he come to. But, but he don't seem like he'll be waking up. No slept on, fuck it, cousin, show me love. Two more fists in my veins, don't get it. Fuck, run up on me wrong, I'm on Jazz on deck when I come through. No 5-0 on my gum shoe. Beat got more kicks than a come to. Flick fuck boy might get it when he come to. But he don't seem like he'll be waking up. Most slept on, fuck it, cousin, show me love. Two one fifth in my veins, don't get it, fuck. Run up on me wrong, I won't even fuck another love. Jazz on deck when I come through. No 5-0 on my gum shoe. He got more kicks than a come to. Flex up, boy, might get it when it come to. But, but, but he don't seem like he'll be waking up. Most slept on, fuck it, cousin, show me love. Two one fifth in my veins, don't get it, fuck. Run up on me wrong, I won't even fuck another love. 